Thank you, Lord. 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 Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. I want you to pray with me. Pray with me for five years with me this morning. Father, we love you this morning. And we are so thankful to be out here in this wonderful, wonderful, and beautiful weather. Thank you so much for comfort. Thank you so much for these tarps over our head. Thank you so much for the finished sanctuary. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts this morning, for the operation of your Holy Spirit in our lives this morning. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, and certainly in this place. We surrender our hearts to you now. We surrender our lives to you now. We seek meaning. We seek purpose. We seek understanding from you this morning. Help us to understand what it is you desire to say to us today. We look to you in faith this morning, Lord God. We sacrifice. We surrender. We submit. We give in to you this morning, Lord God. We want to hear from you, Lord God, and only you. Please make sense of your word to us today. We praise your holy name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. 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 I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to be reading eight verses to you this morning. Or we're going to be reading eight verses together this morning. I love this passage. And if you're taking notes, the title is, I Have Finished My Course. I have finished my course. I'm waiting on you. Take your time, but hurry up. <laughs> Amen. When's the last time you heard that one, huh? Don't use that. You heard it here first. Take your time, but hurry up. Thank you. Second Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. Okay, he's he yeah, Second Timothy four, one through eight. That was last week. That was last week, I think. Second Timothy four, got it? Say amen. Amen. All right, cool. Read along with me. It says I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is just the living and the dead and His appearing and His kingdom. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all of suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. May God add blessings, certainly to the reading of of his word. I 
and one of those huge fans of the ministry of Paul the Apostle. Any, anybody love the ministry of Paul the Apostle? I love his ministry, especially these, these letters that God has given to us through Paul the Apostle by his spirit. I think it's safe to say that everything we know today about the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have learned it from the pages that Paul the Apostle penned alongside his assistants. I think everything we need to know about Christianity, faith, etc. is found in the letters that he wrote. And I certainly enjoy his writings. I think often, when I think about Paul the Apostle, I think about the hazards that he endured um, as he devoted, as he consecrated his life to the Lord Jesus Christ to ensure that he was responsible with the Lord's calling upon his life. And from one missionary journey to another and then another, Paul the Apostle endured life-threatening circumstances Again, as I stated already, to ensure that as many people as possible who live during that particular time and also so that you and I today could receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle poured himself out, as he said there toward the end of the passage that I've read. He said, even now, where's that verse? Even now, he says, finally there's later for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And then before that, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Think about the constant, the constant ministry travel. Think about the churches that he established in the gospel and how he preached it and the miracles that were performed over and over again. But of course we cannot forget the fact that he was shipwrecked, perhaps even numerous times. He was left for dead numerous times, all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His ministry was and is and always will be extremely valuable to you and I and to the generation that will follow us. And I think we have to do a good job of making sure that the world knows and values the, the contribution that Paul made to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think no one in their right mind can deny that Paul the Apostle was the foremost authority on the subject of the gospel. The Bible itself teaches that he was personally mentored by Jesus Christ. In fact, shortly after he gave his heart to the Lord, he found himself in the desert or in the wilderness, depending on your version, those words are interchanged, but for three long years, Jesus Christ personally mentored and spoke into the life of Paul the Apostle to ensure that he got it right. So there was no ambiguity when it came to doctrine, etc. Because there was no second-hand information, as it were. He received the gospel from Jesus Christ himself. And certainly in the end, he earned the right to declare the words, as we read in this text, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Nevertheless, Paul the Apostle wasn't alone. There are numerous individuals mentioned in the Bible who were used by God Absolutely used by God to fulfill an amazing, a great, and a necessary work over the years. From Abel in the Garden of Eden to Jeremiah and so many others in the Old Testament. From Mark 
who is presumed to be the first gospel in the New Testament that was written, to, to Paul the Apostle himself in the New Testament. There were persons who gave their entire lives to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, God, God was so pleased by so many of them that he immortalized their names in the hall of faith. And we find that, of course, in Hebrews chapter 11. When you get an opportunity, I know we read some last week, but read that chapter again so that you can gloss over the names, the persons, the individuals who gave up everything for the cause of Christ. Who gave up everything so that we can have the Word of God today. For what end? To what end? Well, of course, the purpose of this message is just to simply share a couple principles with you. Principles I believe Paul lived out and so many others lived out. Principles that if we can somehow embrace and take ownership, they will serve to ensure that our lives are as stable and as meaningful as they ought to be as we serve out our faith this side of heaven. How do we determine... Is that? Is that Pastor Kim sitting over there? Okay, nice. Alright. Don't mind me, I'm easily distracted. How do we determine our success story? I thought long and hard about this because I, I was always of the ideal, the mindset that longevity is required or certain status or a certain measure or level of education is required before determining whether we have succeeded in the things that pertain to God. Have you thought about that from time to time? I, I think about that. I think about that. And not, not because, of, because of someone's expectations of me, but because I want to please and honor God in everything I do and in everything I say. I want to get ahead of myself for a moment here. I'll, I'll cite it again a little bit later. But the Bible says in the New Testament, I'll give you the reference later, that, that God will hold us responsible one day for every thought, for every word, for every idle word is what it says. And for everything that we do with our lives. That's how significant our faith is supposed to be. That's how much value we should place on this ideal called faith. But let me ask you again. How do we determine our success story? We cannot... And it has never been determined by longevity. Like I have to have 30 and 40 years of success in the ministry before I can determine that I've done the right thing. That's not the case at all. At least that's not what the Bible teaches me. One of the individuals that we find, or the name of an individual that we find listed in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11, is the woman Rahab. How many know remember Rahab? Rahab, Rahab. When she was a harlot, a prostitute in Jericho, and in during one particular evening, and in, an invasion of sorts, she assisted the children of God in a very significant process or transition, however you want to uh, regard that, just that one evening of service allowed her, afforded her the opportunity to be lifted in the hall of faith. I like that. I like that. I like my God. I, I like the fact that he, he considers us in that way. The point is, the size of our ministries or the length of time that we spend in it has never served as a means 
of determining a person's weight and gold before the Lord himself. God is not fooled by the things that we do and say. In the natural, that is. So what determines our success? What determines our value before God? What determines whether a person is saved or not? Well, quite obviously, whether they know Jesus or not. It's not about what we say, it's about what we do that determines our salvation. So in terms of ministry, in this, this context that I'm trying to lay out this morning, it is conviction, the conviction in our hearts that determines whether we have accomplished the will of God in our lives or not. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. The conviction of the heart. If we are willing and committed, God will always look to use us to fulfill great things. What will our legacy be like? Well, personally, I believe it's going to be great for every single one of us. I mean, I just laid it out the best I could. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And one day we are all going to hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And the reason for that is because, because our salvation and our victory ultimately is determined by the justification we have received by the sacrifice, the sinless and selfless sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's the reason why God looks upon us with, with eyes of grace and love and acceptance in spite of and regardless of what others think and say about us. Amen, somebody. Amen. I love that about God. I love that. He sees me. He sees me in a pure light. He sees you and you are pure to Him. Amen. I hope He's not listening online. But I got a, a, a call this morning from, from one of our own, from Ryan. And he, he's struggling. This is not to put him on blast. This is to request. This is to covet your prayers for him. Because he, call, he called me this morning as I was working with Janine to try to, to make sure that the sound was okay. I did not succeed, by the way. I did not succeed. Nicole came to the rescue. But as I was attempting to do that, Ryan called me. And, and you got to forgive me because my heart is heavy this morning, alright? My heart is really, 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 I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. He called me and he acknowledged to me that he is struggling at the moment, to say the least. And he, he, he was asking, he was, he was crying out for perspective. And that's what I'm trying to lay out this morning to you. Because sometimes if we are not careful, if we do not have the right perspective, a healthy perspective, we may always consider ourselves to be failures, and that's not the case. That's what the enemy wants us to think. The Bible says in John 10 that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. Amen, yeah, somebody. Amen. Oh, there's a God in heaven who loves us. Yeah. And I love that. I love it. By the way, the verse that I quoted to you is Matthew 25, 23. Write that down. 25, 23. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 23. The purpose, again, of this message is just simply to pres present 
a, a few simple, simple principles necessary to consider when seeking to live a life that honors God. There are a number of things that, 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 the, that the men and women of God listed in the Word of God practice that ensured their everyday victory in the things of God and the things that pertain to God. There are a number of things. And I, listen, I'm not one to try to reinvent the wheel. I'm not going to do that. I've never done that. I'm never going to do it. Because I believe we have to keep it as simple as we possibly can. Because it's simple things are the things which actually work. Point number one, we are called to serve. And these points that I'm going to share with you this morning may not necessarily come from this one particular text. I read the text, of course, because I love it. In this text we find Paul's famous valedictory. That is, his final words or a charge to believers, like a valedictorian standing before the entire graduating student body. He shares a charge to young Timothy about how to handle ministry affairs. And I've taken some personal notes for myself because I want to succeed. I want to do the right thing as it relates to God's calling upon my life. Again, the purpose here is to share simple yet profound principles which cause the gospel message to operate well in our lives. We are called to serve. One of the things which made Paul so special, so special was the fact that he, he, he placed a lot of value on faith. And not just his own faith. He knew it was supposed to make us distinct from the world. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. I want you to see something with me. Because in 2 Timothy, he uses a, a very, very significant and special metaphor. And there's a concept wrapped around this metaphor that you and I as believers have to understand thoroughly and we must embrace if we are to live the life God has in store for us. How many of you know that the blessings or the promises, and I want to be as sensitive as I possibly can when I say this because I understand there may be varying degrees of doctrinal understanding here, but as I understand it, as I understand it, these blessings and these wonderful things that God has in store for me, for us, they're not going to unfold automatically in our lives. Bible says in Jeremiah 29, seek the Lord and he shall be found. There's, there's an emphasis the Bible places on the, on the will of man. We are to yield our lives over to God if we are to receive his bounty, his abundance. Jesus Christ said it. As I quoted the verse a few moments ago, I have come, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. But we got to yield. We have to surrender. That's the theme in this message. We have to surrender ourselves over to the care of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Maybe that's why Tim had it up there. He was trying to get ahead of me. Maybe that's what that was. Because that's what I'm going to read right now. That, that was prophetic. That was prophetic. It says, chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. That's the metaphor. 
Paul borrows for from military service to convey this message of importance as it relates to this attitude, this disposition that we all as believers are supposed to have as it relates to the gospel in living it out in our lives. This point is about our enlistment as soldiers in God's military service. Hence the idea and the title of this point. We are all called to serve. The truth is, we become soldiers in the army of the Lord when we turn our lives over to Him at salvation. And this is, of course, an essential part, an essential component in the, the bedrock of our faith. I've never been in the military, so I don't really know what it's like, but I've seen a lot of movies, and I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of stories. Uh, um, Don Clemens, Don Clemens, let me see that, let me see that. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories, and I understand that, that there's a lot of discipline emphasized in the, in the military. It's designed, of course, to strategically transform the mindset, the heart, the attitude of, of the enlisted individual for the purpose of fulfilling a particular role or task. It's, it's imperative that a soldier, as he enters into the battlefield, that he is synchronized with his fellow military servicemen. Because if he's not, if he's distracted by the cares of this world, things may not necessarily go as planned. Yeah. That's the point here. So when they run or when they walk, as they're training, What's the word? They are all in formation. They are all in formation. They are in sin. And that, I, I love that because it's about discipline. And ultimately, as I stated already, distractions are discouraged. Distract, distractions are not allowed. That's why they got the drill sergeants spinning in their face all the time. I think I could be a good drill sergeant because I, 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 I kind of, like I said last week, it's a good thing nobody's in here because they just, anyway, anyway, drill <laughs> Did you know? Don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. Did you know that the things that I just talked about, uh, as it relates to this, this 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 metaphor, this military service, this attitude, it's supposed to be our mindset as well. It's a mindset of engagement. Engagement. The believer is supposed to live his life. Engage, not disengage. There's a problem that happens, a, a systemic problem that occurs in the heart and in the depths of the soul of a believer, or at least somebody who claims to be in the faith, but is disengaged from the principles of the Word of God. There's a systemic problem. Nothing seems to work out in the life of an individual just like that. There's no way of rendering this or having stability as believers if we are disconnected, if we are disengaged from this intimate life that we are supposed to have with Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. Listen, I'm not a legalist and neither do I preach that message. I, I believe in the grace of God. But I do understand that the scripture mandates our surrender if Christianity is the word. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. devour. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. 
I shared this once before. How many of you want not watch um, Nat Geo, Discovery Channel, anything like that? The animals, the, the, the gazelle, the deer, and all that stuff running around in the in the in the Serengeti, etc., etc. The Sahara. Whatever the case may be, there's always a predator on the lookout. There's always a predator crouching someplace, lurking, ready to pounce upon the prey. And the enemy of our souls is just like that. And when we least expect it, the enemy pounces on us. He looks for the chink in our armor. He looks for weaknesses in our life. He, he tries to sift out the compromise. And, and listen, when the enemy pounces, he pounces well and he destroys our lives. We as believers are supposed to be on the lookout. Amen, somebody. As Christians, it is God who enlisted us. It is God who enlisted us. And because we are soldiers in a war for the souls of men, we have to live with as little worldly distractions as possible. Now I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 again. I want you to look at something. Because in the context of military service, Paul presents this as a very important subject. Chapter 2 verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12. It's getting hot in here. Somebody turn the heat on. It says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Just like that, bottom line. Punto y claro se acabó. We're supposed to be vigilant. God is looking for us to contribute, not to our salvation, but to this progressiveness, this faith development in our life. He wants us to, 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 to become as intimate with Him as we possibly can. The idea is that we are soldiers and as such, we have to live a life of discipline. By the way, Don, my wife just went to turn the air conditioner on in my, my office, open the door, and hope that that cold air hits me over here. Maybe, maybe hits you too. Maybe. But she's just really thinking about me, by the way. So I want you to go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians because I want you to see something else about this, this military, this metaphor that we're sharing this morning. As our service me- oh, thank you. As our service members prepare for war, and I like I listen, I, I, I watch it from the educational standpoint. I don't like the blood and gore and all that stuff. And if it gets too bad, I turn it off, I change it, I eliminate it. It's just not appropriate, especially for children. But but when it comes to the, the history of it, not so much the entertaining element, but like Discovery Channel, something like that. I got a bunch of DVDs on World War One and World War Two and stuff like that. I remember there was a battle, a, a sink, uh, a boat that was sank years ago. I think it was during World War One, and all the service members were in the water. There were thousands in the water, and unfortunately, look, I, oh boy, and unfortunately for for them because of the lack of. Communication. How many know that communication is important? Because of the lack of communication, they couldn't get help in time. And when finally the help did arrive, there were body parts all over the water. Otherwise, oh, not gone there. Because the sharks came in. Because the sharks came in. I'm going to leave it right there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. As our service members prepare for war, there is a dress code they must adhere to. 
The serviceman who gets ready and he dons his uniform, he puts on, he takes up his armor and he grabs his weapons. Look at Ephesians 6, chapter 1, um, chapter 6, verse 11. It says, put on, I'll wait for you, I'll wait for you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap it up and I gotta wait for you. Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I looked up that word schemes because I was a little curious. The word in the Greek is methodites. I probably slaughtered it, Pastor Roy. Meth- I, no, I slaughtered it? Yeah, no? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I don't appreciate your attitude either. You at least give me, you know, give me some grace. Grace, get it? Methodites. It translates to method. As in, as in stand against the methods of the enemy. As in stand against his plans, his deception, his entrapment and enslavement. The enemy is always looking to destroy our lives. And when we are not careful, if we are not careful, he will render us unstable. They, they, D-A-K-E. They once stated a man's, and I quote, a man's method of sinning is the devil's method of damning his soul. A man's method of sinning is the devil's method of damning his soul. When we are not, if we are not careful, the enemy slips in his voice, his ideologies, his method, his schemes. We take ownership of these things and then eventually we start to put them on display for the entire world to see and behold. So we got to check ourselves. We got to check ourselves to make sure the enemy is not rooted in our affairs. This military mindset is, is important because ultimately it will safeguard our lives from the enemy's satanic influence. Point number two, redeeming the time. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. And remember, if I may back up for just a moment, remember that I'm laying out just a couple of few principles that will serve to ensure our utmost victory in the things of God. There are certain principles, of course, which the apostles and the disciples and, and, and the patriarchs of old, certain principles they put into practice that allow them to ex- achieve this stability we are talking about this morning. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Look, look with me to verses 16 and 17. It says, See then that you walk diligently, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'm going to read it again. It says, see then that you walk diligently. If you have one of those ancient texts, it'll probably use the word circumspectly. Hmm, what in the world does that mean? Delete, delete that word. See that you walk diligently, diligently. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. Again, I looked up the Greek word here and it's, um, Pastor Roy, acrobos. Acrebos. Don't say nothing, don't mutter nothing. Acrebos. For diligent. It's the word for diligently. And it means to walk about walk 
watching on every other spot. That again. It means to walk about watching on every hand to avoid danger and our enemies. To live the gospel by watching our conduct diligently. To live the gospel by watching our conduct. The enemy is always looking to destroy our lives. How important is your time? Are you managing your time? Well, I believe, I believe to some degree I manage my time well. But there was a time in my life, of course, when all of my time was managed for me. When I was in college, Miss Tracy, when I was in college. All of my time, not some, all of my time was managed for me. But what a rude awakening occurred in my life when I came, when I came home, when I came home, when I, when I graduated, when I graduated, when I graduated. Yeah. Slow it down, brother. Slow it down. That's my message. What a rude awakening. Because when I came home, when I graduated, I thought I was as vigilant as vigilant I could one could be. And I nothing could be further from the truth because instantly, almost instantly. See, I went an extra year in college. I you know, settled the four for the bachelor's Fancy, uh, <laughs> huh? It's a five-year college. They, they, they are out there, Clancy. They're out there. I went five years in college, and listen, I thought I had it going on. I thought I thought I was on solid ground. I thought so. I, my attitude was in the right place. But listen, I, I took hold of the very best. I think I took hold of the very first piece of candy the enemy offered to me. The very first piece of candy and immediately, almost immediately I fell flat on my face. You see, I really wasn't as, as vigilant as I was supposed to be. I had a lot of theory, but, but not a lot of practice. I didn't have time for that to unfold in my life as I was studying hard. Miss Kathy, as I was studying hard. How are you managing your time? How are you managing your time? How are you managing your time? It's extremely significant. Now, I know that we have the tendency of overlooking this particular principle as it relates to our lives, this trying to gather ourselves to live life to the fullest, as it relates to the will of God for our life. But time is of the essence. It's crucial to our faith. Are we praying and reading the Bible? Are we working and managing our homes? Are we exercising and eating right? Don't look at my midsection. Are we eating right? In addition to the critical importance of protecting ourselves from the enemy, did you know, as I stated, remember when I said I got ahead of myself? I will mention it here. Did you know that God will hold us responsible for everything we do and say throughout the course of our lives? This reference is found in Matthew 12, 36. Put that down. Matthew 12, 36. It says, and I'm going to quote, you don't have to go there. It says, but I say unto you, this is Jesus talking. He says, but I say unto you that everyone should give an account of every idle word spoken in the day of judgment. A judgment is coming very soon. That is Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And God will hold us responsible for how we manage our time. 
the final word on this point is that we can live stable lives for Jesus if we manage our time well. Point number three, and the very last point, just five minutes and I'll be done. Did you just say, yeah, whatever? Did you just say that? Yeah. Um, he said, yeah, you say, you, I, I'm joking, I'm joking. I didn't hear anything. I'm joking. He said, you say five minutes, you'll be here another half hour. <laughs> I, said, I said to somebody, and I may have shared this inside one time, I said, listen, I just, I'm going to be preaching three hours today, so get comfortable. And the old lady stood up and said, you can preach three hours and you want, I'm out of here in 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm out of here 45 minutes. Sacrifices are required. That's the third point. Sacrifices are required. And do not allow these points to just float over your heads. Ponder these things. Research these things. Get into the Word of God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to navigate your heart and mind through these thoughts because they, they are important. That beetle, I tell you, just knows what I'm going to stand up here. It just knows I'm distracted so easily. It just, it just, it just knows it. It just knows it. I'm sorry, listen, listen. I'm sorry. I sacrificed. I love that word. You brought me back. I apologize, but that's that's just me. I'll be up here. I'll be up here like that if I don't do something. Since Don didn't get up to do it, I just I had to do it. Okay, listen. <laughs> Sacrifices are required. Sacrifices are required. I want you to go to Second Timothy once again. I want you to look at chapter four, verse six. Chapter 4, verse 6. It says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time if, the time of my departure is at hand. I, I thought about that. I thought about that as he penned this particular book. And, and many people say that Paul the Apostle was, sac was, was, sacrificed, was executed almost immediately after he wrote this particular book. It's, it's, it's not to say that they were waiting for him to finish the book to, to execute them. That's not what I just said. That's not, but it, 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 sometime after he wrote this book, many say, I, I don't know if it be true or not, but many say he was executed soon thereafter. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm reading the book, because I like to read, Miss D. I, I like to read, and, and I'm thinking about what he must have felt what were his thoughts moments before? This is his valedictory. He's, his final words, his charge to young Timothy about the affairs of the gospel, the affairs of the kingdom of God. And he knew in his heart of hearts that the Holy Spirit was using him as a vessel to deliver a word to 2020 folk in Norwalk, California. I, I just know he was thinking about us to some degree. There was a strong, overwhelming sense of importance to get this thing out so that we could practice it. And ultimately, of course, he sacrificed himself. He laid himself on the altar. He laid himself like a lamb led to the slaughter. What a way to live life. What a way. What does this mean to us? It means that we too must pour, pour ourselves out to God as a drink offering. I'd like to get into that book of Leviticus now, but I won't. 
for the sake of time, but a, a, a drink offering was necessary from time to time. As a man of God approached the altar, he was to bring something to God. Something that represented, that stood in place of his or her sin. God requires a sacrifice. There's something we must give up if we are to experience God in our lives in any meaningful way. If we do not bring a sacrifice to God, what happens ultimately is just we just simply live religious lives. Religious lives. And nothing works. How many? I asked this question before, uh, a year and a half ago when we were inside. How many of you know somebody who has made the declaration, I tried the faith, I've tried Christianity, but it doesn't work. Any, any, any... Body hurt somebody say something. I, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. The missing component is sacrifice. You got to offer yourselves up to God. Put this down on your nose. And I'm going to move along. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because that is the best passage that comes to mind as it relates to this point. I want to read a quote to you from Frederick Lewis. Donaldson, huge man of God, 1925, preaching at Westminster Abbey in London. He was preaching to a crowd, and he was presenting his thoughts to them on this subject of sacrifice. And I want you to, I want you to listen carefully to what he says. He said the seven social sins are, number one, wealth without work. No sacrifice. Number two, pleasure without conscience. No sacrifice there. Number three, knowledge without character. There's no sacrifice there. Number four, commerce without morality. There's no sacrifice there. Number five, science without humanity. There's no sacrifice there. Number six, worship without sacrifice. There's no sacrifice there. And lastly, number seven, politics without principle. There's no sacrifice there. And so I, I love that. It's, it's extremely powerful. In, in fact, we could preach a, preach a million sermons on those ideals alone. He's saying that at the end of the day, if we are not giving up ourselves to the process there's no sacrifice, there's no growth, there's no development, there's, there's no progression in the things of God. Jesus put it this way. Whoever comes after me, this is Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 36. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 36. I'm almost done. Whoever comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'm going to read that again. I just love it. Whoever comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Jesus demands sacrifice. We have to give up our lives Almost in the same way he gave up his. He gave his up literally. We give ourselves up figuratively. 
We got to surrender our lives over to God if faith is to work well in our lives. Let's not forget that Jesus was the one who gave up everything to purchase our salvation. I want to invite the worship team up at the time if you are prepared for a final song. And I want to ask you, congregation, to, 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 to bear with me a few moments as we, as we summarize what you've heard here today. I want you to listen carefully. Because we got to go over these things briefly. I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Mamita, look at me. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Put the blinders on. Right here. And I'm sorry for that cruelty. The first point that I shared with you is about this idea that we are we are called to serve. We are called to serve. We are all called to serve. And remember the military metaphor. When you go off to war, when you go off into military service, no distractions are allowed. Total commitment is required. Or it doesn't work. You'll be targeted by the officers on a regular basis. It just doesn't work. The same thing applies to our faith. We must surrender ourselves. That's our theme, isn't it, Pastor Roy? We have to surrender ourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We have to surrender ourselves over to God. If faith is to work. We are surrendered. We have to surrender ourselves. Now don't, don't mind me because I just like it. I wish I had a million watt sound system so the entirety of Noah can hear this. We got, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is a Christian town. A Christian church is all over the place. It's like evangelism is limited because everybody's got to, hey listen to me, can I talk to you about Jesus? Oh listen, I, I, go, to, I go to the church down the street. It's like, Really? There's nobody for me, seemingly, right? At least the people that I've encountered, seemingly for me to minister to. So that's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. But nevertheless, this message is important because Christendom is not what it used to be. And I talk to young people all the time, even our very own young people, who are wrestling with this thing. It's not working, Pastor. It doesn't work, Pastor. It can't work for me, Pastor. And that's not true. Amen. It's not true. Somehow we are systemically disconnected or dis- disengaged from the things that matter most. We got Christianity does not work without repentance. Wow. And the second point I, I mentioned was somebody remind me. Time. Time management. You managing your time well. Sit there listening to me. Very good. Time management. It is crucial. Because what happens, what becomes of us if we're spending too much time watching television? What becomes of our faith if we spend too much time on the internet on dumb things, on ignorant things? What becomes of our faith if, if our faces are planted down on our phones all the time and we're not addressing the, the faith that God has blessed us with? Time management. And then lastly, sacrifice. Have you made that ultimate sacrifice to Jesus? And if so, are you reaffirming that on a daily basis? Body this with me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you so much for your words. 
And I apologize, Lord God, if I have missed the mark in delivering publicly what you've revealed to me in secret. I pray for all of you people, not just here, but those listening in online and those everywhere, Lord God, for your people in 2020 to, to heed your voice and to, to engage in the things that pertain to you, Father, and to disengage from the things of this world and to do so quickly and to do so right now, Lord God, that we may experience life, the abundant life you promised us in your Son, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, as we move towards closing our service today. Be with us, give us grace. Give me grace, give me words, Father, as I share immediately after this last worship song. He says we pray in Jesus' name and God's people say. Amen. Let me invite you on your feet as we worship together during this last song.